Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. We then share their stories with you so that in their shining, they can lead by example and give permission to others to shine as well. Today's guest is Catherine Fantalzi. First of all, Catherine, thank you so much for being here. We're so glad to have you. And as I understand, you'll be a new resident of the Bay Area soon, which makes me happy considering I live and work in the Bay Area. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. Well, I don't know much about Catherine. She's a new guest on my show. Some of my guests I've never met before, some I have. Catherine is new in my life and new in yours too. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Catherine. Uh, so I am the CEO and co-founder of a company called Apollo Neuroscience. And Apollo is a uh, technology that was developed at the University of Pittsburgh, which is uh, a wrist or ankle worn wearable about the size of an Apple watch that um, we've shown improves your body's ability to adapt to stress. And so it improves focus and your ability to sleep and um, improves mood. And so for the last, well, since 2014, I've been working on this project, uh, taking the neuroscience that came out of the lab at the University of Pittsburgh and launching it into a company that's about to launch to the public uh, in the, this January. That is so incredible. So I, I, okay, so I try purposely not, I definitely don't look up my guests prior to the show. That way I can be delighted and surprised and learn all about you on the show and during the recording. But I have to tell you, I'm super excited. So you're more biotech coming to the Bay Area. We love that. As you know, South San Francisco is the world's largest biotech cluster. Um, so I, I'm a resident of that city and we're very proud to be the industrial city where biotech is our industry of, of fame for now, at least, um, <laughs> over the years it's changed and we're proud to adopt biotech as our new industry of fame. So it's so great to have you moving here. That's incredible technology. Um, I would love to be a guinea pig if that's even a possibility. Uh, let me know when it comes on the market. I'll certainly be a buyer if that's made available to regular Joes such as myself. Um, yeah. Yes. So awesome. it is. So the premise of the technology was, so I actually co-founded the company with my husband, who is the co-inventor of the technology at the University of Pittsburgh. And Dave's a neuroscientist and a psychiatrist. He's working with patients that had PTSD, anxiety, substance use disorders, and really these effects of chronic stress. And he was using meditation and mindfulness techniques with them in the clinic and found that that worked very well in clinic, but that when folks go home, and this we know from the literature and just from common sense, that when you're really stressed out, mindfulness and meditation are actually quite hard to do. Right. <laughs> you're embracing thoughts, sitting there and meditating is harder. Um, and so you know, Dave looked at a whole range of different ways to help patients where he was looking at sound therapy and music therapy and found that touch was often overlooked. And so the Apollo technology, which is this uh, wearable that you just looks, you know, I mean, I, I'm showing you, but you can't see it, see it, the viewers can't see it. 
Um, but it's this wrist-worn or ankle-worn wearable that's the size of the Apple Watch, but it, it doesn't act like any other wearable you've ever seen. It's actually active, and how it works is it sends these gentle pulses of vibration to the body that mimic what your heart and lungs, the natural rhythm of your heart and lungs when you're meditating or when you're deep breathing. And so what we found in the clinic and in these lab studies that were run is that we improve people's biomarkers of stress within a few minutes. And so the company was founded because we were seeing incredible results. We were seeing that people's heart rate variability improved two to three times within three minutes, that people felt less anxious, that they could um, have better cognitive performance, that they could go to sleep faster. And when you think about it, chronic stress essentially makes it so that your body's in fight or flight all the time, which makes it hard to sleep and hard to focus. And so there was just such broad application for the technology that we didn't, we built it to a medical standards, to FDA specifications, but we actually made it a consumer technology because the ethos of the company is to really democratize neuroscience and make these things available en masse. Because if you look around us, chronic stress has become a, uh, so commonplace that people who can't sleep and feel you know, anxious constantly and have digestive issues as if it's normal. And exactly. I want to say, <laughs> no, and it has been normalized, especially for those of us who do live in the Bay Area. If you've not heard about the traffic congestion problems we have commuting to and from work, um, this will be a wearable that's, oh my gosh, such a, a game changer for almost everyone who lives and works in the Bay Area and throughout California. It's a very big, busy state, as you might imagine. But I'm going to tell you, I'll be the first to buy this product because it will be life-changing for me. I am a firm believer in meditation, but I haven't had the time to, to calm down, to stop, and then take time out to actually meditate like I used to. Um, this will be, oh my gosh, this is something I've never heard of before. This is probably one of the most exciting podcasts I've ever recorded. In fact, I recently, uh, in fact, just yesterday had a podcast with someone who's pretty world famous, and she was telling me that she's up at 3 a.m. every morning just with repetitive thoughts going through her head, you know, obsessive compulsive almost with, you know, reliving the day and did it go right? And what did she do wrong? And how could she have done better? And what should she have said in this keynote speech that she didn't say? And those sorts of monkey mind, as they call it in the Buddhist tradition, um, this will change lives of so many. I'm, I'm so excited about this. This is fantastic. How, you know, tell me, I love that you're both a married couple, that you're coming here, you're bringing this technology. This is fantastic. I, I know a lot of people in the biotech community. I'm excited to introduce you to them. I know the media that covers biotech here. I'm excited to introduce you to them. I am so glad that Donna put you in front of me and that we are now, um, if you haven't guessed it, when you know me, you know me. So we're now best friends. <laughs> so I'm excited to learn more about this technology and more about the company and more about your plans. Um, but first, let me ask you something. Let's learn about you, the woman. Tell me about you, Catherine. Sure, so I, um, I am from upstate New York. Uh, I grew up uh, in an Italian family in upstate New York. I went to Smith College, which is an all-women's college. Yes. Uh, and then after, which my sister also went to Smith. Um, brilliant, brilliant girls. <laughs> and then 
Uh, I come from a, a medical family, so um, most of my family are physicians, and so I've been exposed to healthcare my whole life. Um, I have always been in social entrepreneurship. So um, before I worked, um, before I founded Apollo, I worked for the Energy Research and Development Authority in New York, and I worked on a about twenty million dollar fund that identified early stage technologies uh, that were coming out of the market um, but hadn't quite made it yet. And my job was to identify uh, which ones were going to be winners and how best to help them, right? So whether that was working with universities or working with the technologists with R&D or if that was helping them with business development or if they really just needed more funding to really just get out of the gate. Um, and so I had been working, that had been mostly in sustainability. And then um, I met David when he was... Um, doing his research uh, and finishing his med school um, in Albany, New York. And he matched in his residency program here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And if you know anything about the medical profession or the match, that's a little like the military, not quite, but a little bit yeah. in that you get an assignment and there you go. Uh, and we were assigned to Pittsburgh, which um, became a really, uh, a really big blessing in our lives because Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania is, um, People think of steel, but really this place is a huge hub for biotech. Um, and he ended up doing this research at the University of Pittsburgh. And the research, um, after about doing two years of research with these patients, and he was finding that he was getting pretty significant results in helping people calm down, helping people feel uh, more relaxed during therapy sessions. And the university approached him. Um, and asked him to participate in these innovation competitions to raise money to do clinical trials for his work. Uh, and so uh, he, he told me about it. He said, you know, I'm going to be doing this work. And I said, oh, that's great. And then he came, went to the first meeting and he came back and he said, hey, Catherine, they're talking about pitch decks. I'm not really sure what a pitch deck is. This doesn't seem like an NIH grant that I'm used to. Can you come to the meeting? And I said, oh, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll come. And then I went to the meeting and uh, realized that I could be of help. Uh, so I joined the research team as a business consultant and essentially helped raise them about 300 grand of money to run wow. their clinical trials. And um, after they ran their clinical trials and the results came back, I was mostly there, you know, once a week at a meeting, just, you know, helping along. But for them, I had nothing to do with any of the research. And they conducted this double blind, randomized, placebo controlled crossover trial that showed that compared to no other vibrations, and, no and a no vibration condition that people were improving cognitively, that their stress biomarkers were going down and that people felt better, which was the most important thing. And so when these results came back, I decided to found the company um, to really help take that, use all my, the skills that I had developed really learning about how to get emerging tech out of the lab. And I did that to help launch this technology to make it accessible to people because the average amount of time it takes for healthcare technology in particular to get out of the lab and into people's hands is usually about 17 years, wow. which is way too long. Way too long. Yeah. That's amazing. This story, I am, I am gobsmacked to use a, a, a friend of mine in Australia's favorite word. <laughs> I am gobsmacked because this is incredible. And you look, I know about Pittsburgh. I know about PA and their big biotech, um, it's sort of a friendly competition we have with them. Uh, in my city alone, we have 225 biotech companies in my backyard. And every year we go to the International Biotech Conference and it's often held in 
uh, PA. So we were there not too long ago in Philadelphia for the International Biotech Conference. I know you're, um, you know, this is, this is, people are very, we geek out about this. Like people around here love this stuff. I'm sitting here as a, just a regular, like I said, a regular Joe off the street consumer. And I'm still very excited about this. This is going to impact so many. This is um, an answer to a problem that is commonplace, uh, widespread, it doesn't matter how old you are, what gender you are, what race, religion, you know, we are all stressed out. We are all in need of some help in um, finding a healthier self and being a better us. Uh, this is just incredible. And, and folks, you can't see the watch or the wearable, I should call it. It's not a watch, but it looks like a watch. It's no bigger than a watch. It's not cumbersome. It's not, you know, she says ankle bracelet. And I think, you know, <laughs> oh goodness, I'm, I'm stuck at home and then the cops are going to come if I leave my house. But no, it's not, <laughs> it is not that at all. It's quite un, unintrusive and it's, it's, um, it's actually kind of funky looking. It's, it's sort of like an Apple watch, like you would say. Yeah, I actually, I love that. We're going to share pictures of that in our blog that will write about this product and about Catherine. And we will, if you um, have any videos you'd like to share, we're happy to do that as well. But this is totally amazing. You're coming to the right place. I'm super excited to welcome you here. And if there's anyone you need to meet that I might know that you don't, please don't hesitate to ask me because I'm very proud to represent you and, ex and excited to introduce you. Um, yeah, I would ask I really you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, you're wonderful. Wonderful. I can see why your husband asked you to help with the pitch deck. <laughs> a lot of people in tech and biotech around here have amazing ideas. They're geniuses and they're innovative, yet they don't necessarily understand how to put that into the language of the buyer. So we get a lot of that around here. There are groups like Biocom, which has a presence here, and they help with hooking people up with venture capitalists and how to change the language so that the buyer like myself will understand the product or service or solution. Um, so yeah, he's lucky he has you, Catherine. I'll say that, you know, um, yeah. let me ask well, you. Sure. Go ahead. I was going to ask you your proudest professional accomplishment, but I would imagine it's this product, this wearable, this technology. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad to be able to bring this team together to launch this product. Um, in terms of what I've seen, uh, even among people in my own family, uh, the effects have been really profound. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, when you were talking about how you don't have time to meditate, right? Um, so, and how you believe in the importance of meditation, yes. I think that that's one of the most important things to take away is that, you know, right now, most of the tools that people are using to take control of their health um, you know, in a lot of cases it outsources it, right? Like, right. Right. But taking you, what you're taking something you don't necessarily want to take to help manage symptoms or people drink alcohol to relax themselves and then drinking caffeine to right. you know, wake up and focus and, you know, and meditation is a great tool, but it's hard to learn to meditate, particularly when you're already stressed out because you have racing thoughts and you're really busy. Right. So like you have to make the time to do it. And then when you sit down to do it, you have these racing thoughts that make you feel like you're bad at meditating when you already are stressed out and you don't need another thing to be stressed about. And so the, the reason that I'm so excited about Apollo is that it's non-invasive. It's completely safe. It feels good. And the, what we've actually shown in one of the early results from our meditation trials that we actually made people, non-meditators, 
brain waves look like meditators' brain waves within wow. about five minutes. And the reason we think that's working is that the the vibration patterns actually are based on the natural rhythm between your heart and your lung when you're in a resting state. And so what we're giving people is a tool where they can feel calm and in control and all it's using is your natural sense of touch in the same way that fast music makes you energized and right. slow makes you calm and like nice soothing light is calming and fast blanking lights are not you right. know apollo the way that the waves come and go is much like how your heart and lungs resonate together when you're deep breathing and so the feeling is really nice and we also see clinically validated measurable results that we're showing not only do we make you feel good but you can see that people's biometrics change and over time what we're seeing with our users we've tested this in addition to three clinical trials, we've also tested this on about 2,000 people in the real world. And we're seeing that consistently people don't just get used to it, right? It's not like they just need more and more. What we've actually found is like meditation, as you use it more, you get your body learns. And so it gets better over time. And we see that people sleep, they fall asleep faster. They drink less caffeine because they're getting better rest. They drink less alcohol because they can go to, they can unwind. You're talking about your friend with the racing thoughts. They can unwind without drinking alcohol and they can get a boost of energy without needing caffeine. And so we see overall that people's heart rate variability is improving over time. They feel less stressed out. They can focus better. And I think right now, my proudest moment is being able to create a technology that's data driven and that is able to be used by anybody, kids, older people, yeah. working professionals, literally anybody can use this. And I've seen a lot of moms use this and they use it to help them sleep because we've done research with women in particular and they are more likely to say that they're stressed out and they're also more likely to report that they want to do something about it. And so and I've seen- yeah, What that, about pregnant women? Let's say, so I know when I was pregnant, I, I stopped wearing perfume. I have obviously didn't drink or smoke. I was very cognizant of my mood and how it impacted my child. Um, I think this would be beautiful. I mean, I cannot, look, I don't usually get so excited about, I mean, people who know me know I'm excitable and I do get excited about things, but on my podcasts, I don't usually you know, sell things or get, you know, super thrilled about things. But today is quite the exception. This has such broad use. And I, I mean, I, if it's safe for children, if it's safe, you know, I can see this, this is definitely the holiday gift on the top of my list. Certainly for my son, who's a freshman at Berkeley in environmental biology, he's stressed out all the time. Um, right. so I could see this. This is, you know, this is definitely more important than anything else we could possibly give him for Christmas. So I don't normally pitch things, but this, this is quite an exception. I think everyone can use this. And when you talk about meditation, look, you're talking to someone who used to be um, like, I would meditate like I brush my teeth twice a day, at least maybe more. Um, and just to get into that mode um, when I was calm took time. When you, when you truly know how to meditate, you do it properly. You do have to get into a different state of mind and that takes time. But when you're anxious and you're at the end of the day and you're trying to unwind and erase the thoughts that are running through your head about your busy day, 
that takes even more time. I don't have time to get my nails done anymore, much less meditate, you know? So this is incredible technology. Um, folks, I have to tell you, I had no idea what we were going to talk about today. And I do that on purpose. Um, that way, this is a genuine conversation about something I didn't know about before. And I've never been more floored on any podcast than I am right now on this one. So I'm so excited to welcome you to the Bay Area and to share you with the media and to look, I train litigators. I know 1600 litigators who need they this right now. <laughs> <laughs> and the people who work for them, for sure, they totally need this. You know, the legal arena has such um, issues with alcoholism and drug use and suicide, high rates of suicide because lawyers are so stressed out, but so are the people who work with them. There are um, many, many articles out right now. There's a big focus on wellness in that industry, but that's just one of many industries. And I point that one out because of the billable hour, which makes mm -hmm. them, yeah, you get it. You get it. Doctors are stressed as well. I could see, I don't know that I want to go to my doctor unless he has this on his wrist. Actually, we're starting a study now with the neurosurgery department uh, residency uh, yeah. at, the, at the University of Pittsburgh to look at whether or not Apollo frequencies, since we've seen that they help improve people's responses to stress, can help reduce stress in the neurosurgery residents. Wow. And we've also done a pilot with, um, with a nursing facility, with the actually with the nurses, and we saw an over 40% reduction in the nursing staff stress scores. So we had them take this assessment before we gave them the Apollo to use, um, which looked at all aspects of stress, but mainly like sleep and uh, anxiety and the basically the effect of burnout. Um, and then we gave them the Apollo to use as they wished. So it's an app-driven technology. Yeah. So you just select your goal right on the app. Like I want to feel focused or I want to help go to sleep or I want to meditate and a program starts. Um, and they used it however they liked. And then we surveyed them again two weeks later and their stress scores on average came down 40%. Wow. Wow. So I mentioned to you offline that my husband is the city manager of a city and, you know, I can see this for first responders, for firefighters, for police people. This is incredible. Yeah. Um, and we're doing, we're doing research with uh, vets with treatment resistant PTSD right now and uh, yeah. in a study with the University of Pittsburgh and the new school. Well, I would love to hook you up here um, on this coast. So I'm, I'm thrilled. I am so thrilled. Thank goodness we don't have video on me because I, I'm like bouncing up and down. My jaw is dropped. I'm just <laughs> wide-eyed like, you know, uh, this is incredible. This is incredible. Well, let me ask you, I would, I would beg, um, I bet you, I, I bet you it's your husband, but I'm not sure. So who has been your biggest inspiration or a mentor in your life? that's inspired you so? So it's a little bit cliche, but my father has always been a really important figure in my life. Um, so he is a physician and he always worked very hard my whole life. Um, actually working, seeing how hard he and my brother have worked in healthcare was one of the reasons that I did not become a doctor myself. It's like, oh boy. Um, I that. <laughs> it's like I need to go to bed <laughs> but, uh, 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 no he has always been um, a real inspiration to me as someone who really takes leadership and is somebody that you can always count on 
um, to really help um, communicate and solve problems and be a leader. And I really take um, a lot of pages out of his book um, when I am running my business because um, he always treated um, everyone that worked for him with a lot of respect. Um, and when his team felt good, then he got really good results. And particularly with the nursing staff, he wanted to ensure that the nurses were well taken care of because they take care of, they're the front line with patients. Right. And so um, just watching how he took uh, and managed that business and grew that business over time was always an inspiration to me and really has been um, an important learning for me as I you know, embarked on my, uh, my entrepreneurial endeavors. That's awesome. That is awesome. So I will say I hear that a lot, um, that, that, that a woman's father has been her mentor and inspiration. I am one of those women. My father, too, was a doctor, and he was very, um, I, I would say he probably needed your, your technology on his wrist. They all do. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, well, you know, the focus of my business and what I do and why I do this for giving and what I do for a living is trying to help women in business. And I think women are particularly stressed out these days because we work as hard as men and we don't get the same kudos, we don't get the same pay, we don't get the same recognition mm -hmm. or titles. So let me ask you, how do you, Catherine, advise, just in a quick tip, maybe some actionable items or what can we do to lift other women in business? Um, obviously, I think every woman and man and child needs to wear this technology we're talking about. This is a very unique podcast. I don't normally um, do this, you know, state that out loud and, and promote product, but this, I've never heard of anything like this and it's so neat. It's not like the apps that you download and you just read it and do what you're told. This actually engages with your body. This, this actually uh, makes changes that are inside out. So I, I love this. But how can we how can we support other women in business? It's incredible that you do this. I, I love this. So I think one of the things I notice, particularly because I am often asked to go to conferences or to be a speaker, uh, and a lot of the you know in some cases that's I may be the only woman on the stage. Um, and in cases where I see panels where they specifically pick a panel of women. One thing I notice is that no one talks about being a woman, which I find to be interesting. It's as if in order to be successful, you have to be one of the boys and kind of pretend to, and hope nobody notices right. <laughs> that you're right. a woman. And I think that what would really benefit a lot of folks is that people who, women who are successful, right? Women who identify as, as female who are successful should talk about what the experience of being female is and to talk also about their, their personal lives, right? Like in terms of their story of how they came to do these things because, and the, and the ways that they lead and the way they find success because the, the way that women lead can be as, as how men lead. Sure, everybody can take whatever traits, but there are a lot of aspects of the female experience that actually bring a lot to the table in terms of management and leadership that are often overlooked, but are very effective. You know, I find that, you know, I'm leading a tech team and now there's, there's two women on the team out of a 10 person team and I'm one of them. <laughs> and that is, yeah. tends to be the nature of 
you know, a lot of these higher high tech companies, it tends to be male dominated. But the the two women on the team, me included, uh, I, I would say that one of our key skills in being able to communicate and get things done is that we are good listeners. We listen to what the clients are telling us. We listen to what the patients are telling us. We listen to what the engineers and the software developers and what everyone's saying. And by being able to listen so, so acutely and to not wait for our turn to speak, but to actually just listen to what people are saying and discern what the problem is, we often find really good solutions a lot faster. And we're very efficient and effective at leading people to solve problems. And it's a very different way of leadership than more of what you think of as like a very dominant kind of this is how it's gonna be kind of way. And what I find, at least in my experience, is that leading that way where you listen to your team and you empower your team, and you get them the resources they need to solve the problems their way, you end up coming up with much more robust solutions. And so I think that the more that successful women can talk about how they lead and how they've uh, you know, moved up the ranks just gives, one empowers other women to, to realize that their inherent skill sets and, the, and their experience is really valuable. And I think also it just adds more community aspect to the fact that we're not necessarily competing with one another or there are enough seats at the table. We just need to be able to foster the sense that it's okay to talk about how our experiences may be different than a lot of the other people sitting at the table who happen to be male. I have to tell you, I am listening. I think I'm radiating. I'm glowing. Like there, you know, the house is shaking. This is so exciting. So you probably don't know what I do for a living, but I travel and I I give keynote speeches and workshops. And I do tell my story of how back in the nineties, I thought I had to mimic men in order to be successful. But now I own my story. I own myself and I own my own leadership styles and skills. And one of the examples I give in my session is a woman, let's say she's uh, named Catherine She's sitting at the table with her tech team and she's finally come up with, she's finally come up with what she thinks is a solution to a problem they've been, you know, pondering for quite a while now. And she collaborates and she invites input from her team. And she says, you know, tell me what I've missed or here's what I think the path we should take is. And, you know, if there's something else you recognize that I didn't see, let me know. And then I always remark that Bob is in the room. Let's say Bob, here's Catherine seeking information and collaborating and being very, um, very inclusive of other people's opinions or thoughts on her solution. And Bob says, you know, Catherine is seeking validation. Catherine is insecure. Catherine can't make a decision on her own. Catherine didn't come in and delegate and tell everybody, here's what needs to be done. Go do your part. Catherine's not ready for that promotion or that pay raise or that new title. And I then say, you know what? Catherine is a fine leader. She's transformational in her leadership skills. She's using EQ. She's very collaborative. She's all about community and getting input from others. And that is what we need in leadership. And I think that this story you just told is the perfect example of how women do need to embrace their own leadership styles and talk about it, not just do it behind closed doors at work, but talk about it to other women when they are on stage and say, hey, there's always going to be a Bob in the room, at least until we teach the Bobs that, hey, my leadership style is just as valid 
as yours, just as reliable, perhaps more reliable than yours. And, you know, I'm going to speak on it and I'm going to own it and I'm going to encourage other women to do the same. So I cannot tell you, folks, it sounds like I asked Catherine to speak about that because those of you who know what I do for a living, that's, that was like, could have been a perfect planted comment. No, I didn't know. <laughs> it was not. It was not. It was just a beautiful segue right into the realities that we face as women in business today. So I can't tell you that's just this has been the best podcast and we're not, not, not done yet. So how great. <laughs> Let me ask you, I know it's not been easy. Um, you are often the only woman in the room. I know that now you have two women on your team. Yay. And I know for a woman in tech, it's ex especially, it's, ex it's especially hard for women in tech. Um, and I always make note to tell the audience that if you're a woman in tech and you've taken the place of, of a man who once held that position, and if you're leading a team that's all men, you have oh, and quite a number of challenges before you. Let's just put it that way. Um, so I would like to know in your history, Catherine, um, what has been your biggest challenge or setback and how did you overcome it? So I think my biggest challenge was coming up with the and, and accepting that the way that I lead and my inherent, I make decisions pretty quickly. Uh, I am really quite confident. Uh, and when I was coming up, particularly between, I don't know, when I was about, you know, 20, you know, young professional, like 22 to about 30, Sometimes that would be off-putting to some to some people. Yeah, I really didn't even have a second thought that I was younger or a woman. It didn't right. occur to me at all that either one of those was a handicap. I didn't consider it at all. What I considered was that I had done the research and that I had my facts in order and that I had a plan and that it was a strategic, well thought out plan. <laughs> and so, um, you know, over, over that time period, I took a couple knocks um, from people who talked down to me or told me that, you know, maybe I should stay in my place uh, and wow. whatever, whatever place they thought that was supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, and it, for, for some time, shook me a little bit. And I, I thought about it. Well, you know, am I overconfident or um, am I too, um, too, too, too aggressive or, um, am I too outspoken? Should I, should I take a step back? Um, and then with the Apollo project, um, as I started working on this, I realized <laughs> that if I took a step back and, and put, uh, had other people do the work that, um, you know, it often just didn't get done. And yes. <laughs> I began to realize that, and one of the, you know, I didn't pick to be CEO. In fact, the team picked, the team, the research team at the University of Pittsburgh and some of the other people we were working with actually elected me to uh, lead the team. I love uh, that. Because when, yeah, it's like Plato's Republic. Because when they, uh, they said, you know, when, you're the one with the energy to get this done and also, uh, you're the one that cares the most to get this done. And I guess um, what I learned over the process of founding this company and learning to do this, to really you know, raise money and hire the team necessary 
is that my outlook and way of approaching things is just fine. And there are going to be plenty of people who tell you that you can't do something along the way or that are uncomfortable with the fact that you're doing something and you're younger than them or not the same gender as them or different than they are. Right. And, and that's not really about you. It's about them and not right. you. And right. learning to overcome other people's comments so that I can just have confidence in what I'm doing and still listen to feedback, but know what's right and know that I can do it and have the confidence to really just go out there and get it done um, was probably the biggest thing I had to overcome. But having overcome it, I think, um, you know, we've, we've been rocking and rolling. Uh, and I think that the listening to the team and the, um, the thoughtfulness uh, that I bring to projects has been helpful regardless of who I work with. And I think I've been really blessed because the Apollo project is really about bringing wellness and health that's non-invasive to people. And a lot of members of the team came on board because they tried the technology and said, you know, nothing works and this works. And so I think the people that were attracted to the project are just the right team. And so I haven't really run into a lot of this kind of, um, you know, type, bias. Type, type things that a lot of people run into with tech because yeah. oh. people that came to this project came to this project because they really believe in, in the technology and the broadness of the application and how we can really affect change in people's lives. And right now with the opioid crisis and addiction and, you know, the things we're dealing with kids with, you know, ADHD, yeah. like the, we need a change in mental health. And I think the people who've come to this project have really been uh, top notch and just mission driven. And we've oh, I love really this. come together. This is so great. This is so great. I think about the articles I read. So I have a very good friend who actually is out there in um, Delaware and her teen son's best friend committed suicide just last week. So I think about the, the suicide rate of uh, teens, you know, or 17 to 30 years of age, you know, they're stressed out, but they don't know how to manage the stress. They don't know how to come up with solutions. And um, on, on, a, on a more serious note about I mean, I think everything, every benefit to this tool that you're bringing to the public, this, this technology, this wearable, every, every, every aspect of it is serious. I mean, we're, it, it's amazing. Like, stress is never good. You know, even, even when, look, <laughs> you're overstimulated with traffic. You're overstimulated with, oh, I needed this one thing and they were out of it at the store. And we get angry about the smallest things and that didn't used to be the way it was. I, I actually attribute some of that to um, everything is so instant now and in, in the digital age and um, there's so much information and so much, every, everything's coming at you at once and things are expected to be done in a day that used to be expected to be done in two weeks or what have you. Um, but we are, we are grateful for progress and obviously grateful for technology but I, I don't think our bodies, which are still built the same old-fashioned way, are able to keep up without wearables and without, you know, biotech and without learning how to use technology in a way to benefit the good old-fashioned human body and our spirit. Our, you know what I'm saying? Whatever drives you. It, I'm not saying religion. I'm saying spirit. Um, you have nailed it. And I often say that while humans are amazing adaptive organisms, 
we, ha- I mean, adaptation is our greatest strength. It's why when you look out yes. on the skyline, all those buildings exist, right? Like yes. humans are amazing, but the amount of change that's occurred in the last hundred years is mind boggling. And the uh, pace at which it's occurring, the pace is also, yeah. The pace yeah. is crazy. And so the thing is that when you hear the car alarm or when you're stuck in traffic or when you go into the store and there's a bunch of bright light or when your email is pinging, your yes. Slack notifications are going off, your phone's dinging, you are late for a meeting, you have all these notifications and your attention is constantly distracted. What's actually happening is that your body is perceiving threat. And when your body perceives threat, it increases the fight or flight response. And when your body is in this fight or flight response pretty consistently, what ends up happening is that your body is then primed for stress. And so to respond to it. So you think of the age old thing that everybody's mom always said, practice makes perfect. If you practice being stressed out all the time, which is essentially the normal state of living in modern society, then your body will overreact, right? Become sensitized. And so you overreact to small things. So the thing in the grocery store not being there, somebody cutting you off in traffic is much more annoying and you're much more likely to react and your heart rate's way more likely to go up and you're supposed to start to sweat and you get annoyed because you're already primed. You're already tweaked up into this sympathetic fight or flight part of your nervous system and so like if you think about it if you came from the farmer's market or a very relaxing day and someone cut you off you might be more likely to say oh you must be in a rush whereas if you just came from work and had a really hard day you're more likely to be like what's that guy's problem right exactly and so the reason apollo works the way it works is it sends these signals to the these gentle waves that are mimicking what naturally happens when you deep breathe and when you deep breathe or meditate or get restful sleep, or bring your body into a relaxation state, you're signaling to your brain that you're safe. And when you feel safe, your heart rate and your breathing and your natural balance of your nervous system comes back into balance, and you have greater control over your emotional response, and you have more resilience, and you're better able to sleep. Wow. That is so meaningful. And, you know, sleep is our body's natural medicine, you know, so the fact that um, we, you know, have become so wired is what I say. And, and I have a friend, a businesswoman who owns her own business, and she, she teaches lawyers how to um, be more productive and efficient so that they're not um, stressed out. And so, so I think that a lot of what you do, she, I mean, she, she definitely needs to listen to this podcast. But she was with me at lunch one day and she heard all the notifications going off on my phone. Um, she had looked at my phone to see what time it was. And there were like 14 Twitter notifications that came through in just her picking up the phone to see what time it was. And she chastised me about that. And I was like, you know what? I pick up my phone every time I get a notification and I sleep with my phone on my nightstand and I keep that on. She said, this is, this is not good. And I, you know, it's just, it's become the norm. You know, it's not, I never thought of it as not good. I just thought of it as this is how life is. But 
I can tell you my heart rate is different. My health is not what it used to be. Again, I don't have time to meditate. I'm not eating like I used to. I am one of those people that you talked about a moment ago where I jazz it up with coffee and take it down with wine, you know, like. <laughs> percent of people who drink coffee also drink alcohol to go to sleep. Wow. And you know, alcohol doesn't allow for good REM sleep. We know, yeah. most people don't know that. They think alcohol makes you go to sleep and sleep well, but no, it actually. In, it in helps sleep. you go to sleep, but, but then you wake up two hours later, yeah. a, a sweat and your cortisol levels boosted, boosted exactly. up. Exactly. <laughs> I love this. What a smart, smart, wonderful woman. What a great podcast. What incredible technology. I guess people who listen to this and are all excited about this, if they're half as excited as I am, they're going to definitely want to buy this. So this begs the question how much is this wearable technology? So when it goes to market in January, when we uh, do our official launch, it'll be uh, $349. And what you get is the device and the app subscription for free. Um, what we're doing right now is we actually have a pre-order campaign that's open. Um, and for people who pre-order uh, their unit, their wearable, we're actually knocked the price down 45%, it's $199. So if you order before, well, before, if you order in the next month, you should be able to get the $199 um, price. Wow. Okay. So I didn't expect that to be, first of all, I didn't expect the full price to be so reasonable. Um, this is such amazing technology, but it's no more than one would spend on, you know, an I, uh, you know, an Apple Watch or uh, you know some of this wearable. Uh, the purpose for us was to make things accessible. We yes. are really about getting this on as many people as possible because there are so many people who are suffering, and this is such a non-invasive, easy tool to use, and it can't hurt. So it's amazing. It's amazing. You're amazing. So I'm as impressed with you, Catherine, as I am with your wearable technology, the Apollo technology. This has been an incredible, incredible interview and visit. Um, again, I feel like I've known you all my life now because I ask these deep personal questions. <laughs> I make my guests uncomfortable sometimes, but I'm glad that you seemed quite comfortable sharing about you, your family, your upbringing, your leadership style, your, um, your way of moving the needle in this uh, fight for equity in the workplace, and your leading by example for other women. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here. Is there anything else you'd like to share um, especially maybe how people can reach you if um, they want to reach you, and I'm sure they will, before we go. Yes, yeah, so you can go to apolloneuro.com. So that's A-P-O-L-L-O-N-E-U-R-O.com or apolloneuroscience.com. Um, and there you can pre-order an Apollo if you're interested. And then also if you want to contact us, there's um, helpline and then also our email con uh, contacts so that you can get a hold of me if you'd like. Awesome. Awesome. Are you on LinkedIn if people want to hook up with you on LinkedIn? I am on LinkedIn too. Great, 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 great. Well, you are one dynamic one woman and I like to call my guests wonder women in business. So you're definitely that. And thank I you. thank you for your time. It's been wonderful. Folks, thank you for tuning in. Well, thanks so much for having me. Sure. Bye-bye.